0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's Word for you. you know, it really is our heart to help you. Uh, we're, we're not perfect. We're trying to walk in the revelation of the Word like you. The Word is our standard, amen? It's what we strive for. We have good days and bad days, and we're striving to follow out the Word of God. It is the best thing to apply to your life. This world has a lot of different ideas. It's taken what God has created and made it cheap, made it destructive, um, and it's not what God ever intended. You realize God created sex. Okay, well, if you don't realize that by the time we're done, you will. God created sex. The devil didn't. He's perverted it, And but God's way is the best way, and again, there's no condemnation here. I just want to say I had a discussion with a couple of gentlemen this week, ran into them different things just in life, traveling and going places, and didn't know either one of them, and the discussion, I always try and bring back to Jesus, and we got started on that path. and. I asked the guy finally, he said, where do you go to church? He goes, well, I don't go. And I, and I said, well, how come? And he said, because I'm tired of going to places that are just trying to guilt me into everything. And I thought, well, that was an interesting statement. I wanted to say some other things, but I didn't want to make him feel guilty. But uh, anyway, so. And then the same with another individual. And I thought, wow, if that's the impression that the world has of the church, we have got to change that. And the church is so much, a lot of times talking about don't do this, don't do that, thou shalt not. And especially in this particular area, if you do hear anything in church, it's usually on that vein, but the church has been so silent for too long, and sadly, the world has filled that vacuum. And so this morning, I want you just to open up your hearts, let the Spirit of God just speak to you, open up your Bibles, and and take notes, because I I believe this morning God's going to share, He's prepared our hearts to hear the truth. And so we want you guys to walk in the truth of God's word as much as we do. And so we love you here. So amen. So turn in your Bibles to Song of Solomon, chapter four, Song of Solomon, chapter four. And so we are blessed that you're here again, visitors. We're in the middle of a series. And so thank you for coming out this morning. And we want you to know that we just really feel like, um, you know, it's important to share the good news, the gospel truth, and, uh, and then apply it to our lives. And so we want to take a look at what the the word has to say. We've been doing it the last couple weeks. You can go ahead and and you can go online and watch those and stream those and all kinds of different things. I don't even know how to do. You can go and get the messages or go to the bookstore and get the CD. Um, But this is an important topic, especially in our world today. And the world, again, has had such a voice in shaping our mindset and that of our young people, which is contrary to the word of God, we would just want to reset some things. We want to set some things back in order and get them in line with God's word, not my word, but God's word this morning. And so as we pick up our story, the the week one, we talked about God's plan for attraction. And understand we're dealing with, we are triune beings. God created man to be a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. The world typically addresses one or two of those, which would be the body or the physical aspect, and then even some of the emotional. But there's an important piece missing there. God's word addresses all three. That's what, how you can live it. You can live in these things to the full when you apply all three areas to your life, or apply the truth to all three areas of your life. With the spiritual being the biggest one, the most dominant one, which is the one the world addresses the least. And so we keep in mind God's order for things. And then last week we talked about dating, which dating is different today than it was back in biblical days. The Bible's talking about biblical courtship. Uh, Dating, if you'll do some research on it, really, as we see it today, started in about the 1920s or so, being how it is today. It's not how it was when this was written. And you might think it's not applicable, but the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It always is. And so we can see some things, get some things in line. In fact, I'd like to bring back some of the biblical things like prearranged marriages. That's just my prayer. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) My girls are shaking their head. But uh, anyway, so the Bible has a lot to say about that. And today in particular, our topic. So Song of Solomon is a progression from attraction to building relationship, to marriage, to the honeymoon's over, conflict next week, come on back, and then, uh, the, and, and then just strong, healthy marriages. And so we are on the part That happens in in, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, where we get to the honeymoon. If you go back to chapter 3, I think I finished on verse 5 last week, 3-5. So if you start in verse 6 and do that another time, don't get distracted from today's topic. But you'll see like the wedding processional. You'll see that uh, Solomon has like 60 men as grooms. He has 60 groomsmen. And uh, you'll see things like that in there. But where we pick up is the honeymoon night. And so let's understand a few things culturally here. That in their culture, they would have had the wedding but you wouldn't have been considered married yet until, the, until the, the marriage had been consummated. So it wasn't really even official, even after the ceremony, until it was consummated. Um, so in their culture, when you leave the wedding, much as we do today, and people line outside the doors and you walk out and they cheer for you and they throw birdseed, or I don't know what they throw anymore, but throw stuff on you and cheer for you. Um, the picture back then would be, you would leave the wedding ceremony and you'd run past all these people and you would go to a private chamber to make the marriage official. And so everybody lining be cheering you out. Woo-hoo, yeah, you go, you go, girl, go get them tiger. Aren't you glad we changed that? That just, I don't know. I don't know. And, but they're cheering for you to get into that place together and consummate your marriage. And so we're going to pick that up the story where they are actually uh, in the private chamber. And so uh, we want to, again, look and see what God's plan and purpose is. And Again, because the church has been too silent. But before we actually talk this out a little bit, I just wanna let you know a couple of things. Um, number one, I wanna make this very strong, loving statement to you. Um, my heart, my hope is never to be politically correct. I think there's too much of that in the church. Uh, I always strive to be biblically correct. And so I want you to hear from me that God's standard is that marital intimacy, all sexual activity fit and work only in one context, and that is between a man and a man and a woman in holy matrimony, in marriage. Amen? So, <clears throat> and, I, and I say that in complete love, but you need, we need to stand up for what truth is. And so, again, every physical or every sexual activity, rather, it's not, let's see how far we can go with actually having sex before we get there. Let's see how far we can go. All sexual activity, God intended to be in a marriage relationship, and between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And so, uh, again, we just believe that here at Tree and want you to listen to the message today based on that, uh, what the Word of God says. And anything outside of that really is uh, incredibly destructive, And so the devil's lied to us. The church doesn't talk about it. Mom and dad don't want to talk about it. But the world does, will, and has. And so there's been a lot of uh, deception, a lot of misunderstanding um, about what God always intended. Let me give you a couple lies the world has told us. Number one, that the world has told us that it's like, just that's the way we're created. We're created to have sex, it's animalistic, it's just an animal urge and tendency. And the world will say, just go with your feelings, don't fight it. You were created that way, follow what you feel. And when it comes to anything sexual, the world says, you can't help it. God made you that way. Follow your feelings and go with it. And can I just say this morning, we're not animals. We're not. We're made in the image of almighty God. Amen. Animals follow their instincts. And so 3 years ago I just let me illustrate this way I went hunting for the first time kind of getting into hunting a little bit really enjoy that went deer hunting for the first time with a friend he took me out there and and he was telling me about deer hunting and my, my goal I've shot some deer I love deer meat my goal is to get a deer that has a a buck that has a huge antlers I want to get that I want to mount it on the wall I want to get it as a trophy Maybe the garage wall, honey. <laughs> so I, I want to get it <laughs> mounted on the wall. I want that. I want a, a huge set of antlers and stuff. And so as I'm listening to him talk about bucks, and bucks are really smart. And when you see a buck with huge antlers, they're pretty smart. They've been around for a while. That's the reason they're still out there, right? They're, they're smart animals. They look around. They check around. They don't, they don't jump into all the activity like the does do or the, or the little spikes or whatever. They're on the fringe looking, checking everything out, smelling everything, listening closely for everything. Uh, they're really smart. The, the big bucks with the big horns are really smart. And so what, what I've learned, however, though, is there is a time when they're not so smart and that's when they're in rut or in heat. And then they're really dumb. All of a sudden the big buck that was really smart is all of a sudden really dumb and his head is not up looking around listening. He is looking for that doe. His head is down and he's following her and then bam, he's on your wall and in your freezer, right? <laughs> that's what I'm looking for right there. And they make scent, like doe scent, right? And so it just drives them wild or whatever. The real smart animal becomes really dumb during that time. And then I want to go turkey hunting. I want someone to take me turkey hunting. I promise I'll be quiet. And uh, so I want to go hunting turkey hunting. And, and I've heard guys do the turkey call thing. It's really cool. And it's, it, the turkey call um, mimics the female voice. And then all of a sudden, these big uh, turkeys or whatever, male turkeys, I'll suddenly hear that voice, and it's just, everything stops. They become dumb, right? And they do that. And I just want to say this morning that the devil is looking to make you a trophy on his wall. And you are not an animal. You are not an animal. And so don't buy into a lie of the world, all right? You're not an animal, so let's not live that way. We can live different, make different choices. Um, The world would also say to you that it's just a recreational activity, Casual sex, friends with benefits, no strings attached. And what you've done is just basically created a mess. And so I want you to know that it does matter. It's not a recreational activity, not a sport, not a hobby. It is sacred and holy. God created it. And the world would also want you to think this, that it's an isolated event. I can separate everything. You can't separate it. Because God's the creator. And he created it for it to to, uh, um, affect every area of your body. And I don't care what the commercial says, what happens in Vegas, it does not stay in Vegas. It follows you the rest of your life. And that's the reality of it all. And that might be a hard thing to say, but understand because it was created by God for a purpose and the world has taken it to mean something other than what God intended. And the world cannot address those three parts of us that God addresses. It's an impossibility. So we need to have God's word on all this. And we need to understand that it's a spiritual event taking place, an emotional event, and a physical event all at the same time. God designed it that way because he wanted the strongest bond. Now listen to me, God designed it that way because he wanted the strongest bond and all of creation to be be between a husband and a wife. There is no greater bond in all of creation. God created it for the strongest bond in all of creation to be between a husband and a wife. And so, um, I know some of you are probably feeling a little bad right now, and I want to say that there's no condemnation in the house. There is freedom in Jesus' name, amen. That's the message I want you to get. So understand that Jesus, through his love and power and the work of the cross, provided a way not only to forgive us of our sin, but to cleanse us from that. Make all things new, new slate, clean slate, start over from this day forward. Verse 1, chapter 4, Song of Solomon, in the chamber. Here we go. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are like doves. Now he's starting to to talk to her in the chamber. Now notice, this is Solomon talking, and so he hasn't had a lot to say up to this point, Time. So, and if you read all the Song of Solomon, which we'll study all of it, you'll see that she talks probably 75% of the time, and he talks about 25% of the time. See, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, it doesn't really change. No, just kidding. And so, but isn't it interesting that the man decides he has something to say when they're going to the chamber, to the private bedroom, right? All of a sudden, he wants to talk. So, he's talking about how beautiful she is, and she, he's seen behind the veil, under the veil. And he begins to just share some things with her. He's admiring her behind the veil. You look great. And then it goes on to say this. um, Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Probably not what you wrote on your Valentine card, but understand the culture. Back in that day, they had some beautiful black goats. And when the goats would come down from the hill, you'd see these hundreds of goats coming down. What he's saying is that you have let down your hair. Because in the culture, the, the women of the day would wear their hair up because yeah, you know, how do you take care of it and it's hot and or doing things, working out in the fields and all that. And in the chamber though, she let her hair down, beautiful black hair. So again, he's talking about her physical attributes and he's describing how beautiful her hair looks let down goes on to say this in the next verse, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. He's saying, man, you got beautiful teeth and you brushed them. Your breath smells good. Thank you for washing or brushing your teeth before we got men. There you go. There's a tip for you guys before you go to the chamber, brush your teeth. All right. So he's talking about washing good breath, fresh breath, brushing your teeth. And each one has its twin and not all of them alone. Not only do you have good breath, but you have all your teeth. You're not missing any. That's a beautiful thing. So What he's doing is, and it's funny for us, but what he's doing is, understand this, he is starting from the top of her and working his way down. And you'll see it as we progress, as we walk this out. He's working his way down, admiring her beauty and speaking to her that way. And as kids keep going on, your lips are like scarlet ribbon, your mouth is lovely, your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranates, or you you have rosy cheeks, I love the color in your face. And he goes on to say this, your neck is like the Tower of David built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields and all of them the shields of warriors. And basically he's saying that you look noble. You look elegant. You look regal. He's basically saying you look like royalty. You're the queen of the world. You you look like a princess standing there as I'm looking and admiring you. And, And again, he started in the head and he's working his way down. But what he's teaching us men is this, that he's talking He doesn't even touch her till verse 11. He doesn't even touch her till verse 11. Say verse 11. That was really weak men, right? The women are like, verse 11, I love this church. (laughs) What is he doing here? Number one, great sex is affirming. According to God's plan, great sex is affirming. Man, that's that's hugely important. And he's showing us the key to that. God's plan, the key to great sex. Before I touch you, I want to tell you some things. And men, we especially need to learn this one. Women are motivated, moved through their ear gate. God created them that way by what they hear. So great sex begins with affirming your spouse. This guy realizes how important his words are. And men, we need to affirm her. And we need to put a guard over our mouth. Even funny things that we think or innocently things that we say, we need to be very, very careful. God created women with ear gates and with the ability to remember what you say for years and years and years and years. (laughs) I don't remember that. I remember 10 years ago, you were standing by the stove in the kitchen, leaning back against it, wearing that blue shirt. (laughs) But God created women that way. They have ear gates. And guys, be very careful what you say. Your words are critical to godly intimacy. And if you don't think so, just look in the Bible when it comes to what God's asking of us with him. You realize he created creatures around his throne to what? Say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. They're affirming him constantly. You know what he wants from you and I? We come in to sing songs. We're not here just to sing a list of songs. We're here affirming God. We're praising him. I mean, we have 150 scriptures in a book of the Bible that that deals with nothing but talking and affirming God. He likes to hear. And you would sit here and think, well, he knows how I feel. You know what? He wants to hear it. Just like you want to hear it from people. And we need to be committed again to affirming our spouses, And let me say it this way. We need to affirm our children. Yeah. When's the last time you affirmed your kids? Well, when's the last time they did something good, Pastor? I don't know. I can't remember. That's my wife. She remembers everything. No, I'm just kidding. And so, but we need our kids. We speak to our kids affirming things. And let me say this, teenagers. You need to be affirming your parents. Just don't tell them they don't understand and you're too old-fashioned or whatever that. You know when I appreciate how much you love me. I appreciate what you provide for me. What does that cause? Greater intimacy. When your kids start affirming you, doesn't it make you love them more, want to do more for them? may not love them more, but want to do more for them. When your spouse starts affirming you, come on, man. Listen, he started. He didn't touch it till verse 11. So when it comes to lovemaking, guys, don't be in such a hurry. 11 verses. Let's look at verse 5. It says this, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies or out in the field. Now, every hunter knows what this means in a sense that there are deer on a field already. And again, in my first hunt, the guy said, we need to get out there early. I'm like, well, it's dark. <laughs> and he's like, that's right. We need to get there as the sun comes up. So we parked far away from the blind and we got to walk And he's saying, be walk very quietly, walk very gently, walk very tenderly. And so we get to the blind and the sun's coming up. And sure enough, because of how we walk quietly, tenderly and gingerly, there were still there were deer on the field. It was OK. They were there. And so, you you realize that we didn't roll up in the truck, honking the horn, getting out. Okay, twin fawns, we're here. We're here. We are. Where are you at? Let's go. If you do that, and men can tell you this when you're hunting, if you do that, those twin fawns will run and hide and you may not see them again. And it means exactly what you think it means right there in the scripture. (laughs) Hey, baby, I'm here. Let's see those twin fawns. Hey, guess what? They may run and hide. You may not see them that night or a couple nights after that. That's as graphic as I'm going to get right there on that passage of scripture. And by now I'm turning Fifty Shades of Red, just to you know. So, where'd they go? Number two, great sex is tender. Tender. Solomon understands tenderness. Honestly, we could all use a little more tenderness today. We could all use a little more romance today. Come on, men. We can all be more romantic. So we bought into the world's view of of sexuality, and it's become very selfish, very self-centered you want the twin fawns to stay on the field then be tender and don't be about you in fact honestly you look at commercials and things it's all about enhancing or increasing and all that was a lot of that's just self-centered self-gratification stuff but i say god's way i mean i understand that there's some things and uh, legit things associated with that but i understand if we get back to god's way I, you may just see we don't need some of that because god's way works And so we have bought into the world's view of sexuality and abandoned God's way. Let's look at verse six. Here's what it says, verse six. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee. You know what he's saying? Until the morning comes. You realize that this is where Lionel Richie got all night long song, right there, all night long. We're here all night. Let's take our time. Not gonna be in a hurry. I intend to be with you all night long. And then it goes on to say this. I will go to the mountain of myrrh And to the hill of incense. Now, again, he's working his way down. And so he's describing two mountains there. And yes, it means what you're thinking. Now, why he named them, I have no idea. And that's between you and your spouse, okay? But he's working his way down, taking his time. We're not to verse 11 yet. And he continues to affirm her and speak to her tenderly and talk to her. Number three great sex is passionate. Great sex is passionate. And I know know the devil and the world thinks or says God's way is boring, but let me tell you, it's not true. How can something that God created, as we know the character and nature of God, done God's way, be boring or anything but completely fulfilling and satisfying? And what makes this arrogant world think that they know more than the creator of sex? All these so-called experts, who do they think they are? That they think they have a better way than God's word who created it. God's way is the best way, the most satisfying, fulfilling. It's not boring. It's better than you ever thought, imagined, or hoped, the word says, because the word works. (laughs) And it is there because God intended for you and I to know about it. Passionate. You know, I meet with couples all the time, many of them contemplating divorce. And many times I hear things like this I'm falling out of love. I want you to hear what I have to say. I don't mean to be hard on this, but you don't fall out of love. It's really a process of not investing in it. Okay? Because uh, love is not a feeling, it's a choice. And never are our choices to follow our feelings, but our feelings will follow our choices. And so it's a choice. And you've heard this before, and let me illustrate it this way. Great Sex is Passionate. Let me illustrate it this way. It's like a fireplace, put another log on the fire. We've all heard that but understand a fireplace needs a lot of maintenance. We have a fireplace in our house. It's beautiful. It's awesome. I love it. I love looking at it. I don't like building fires in it. It's a lot of work. It's a pain. I don't want to do that, but I do love when the fire's going, and I love the fact that the fire, men love fire, fire, right? It was there at fire forever, and I love the crackling. I love the sound. I love the smell of it. I love the warmth, but it's work, and I don't like that, A few months ago, my wife, we were looking ahead to a a particular night, and we knew it was going to be a cold night, and she wanted a fire, and like, yeah, okay, we'll get a fire, and I didn't do anything about it for a couple days, and all of a sudden, the day comes, and I go out to the garage to our firebox, and there's no firewood in it. I'm like, ah, man, I wish I'd have done something about it, because at that particular day, it was raining. And no wood in the firebox and the wood box. And she wanted a fire, so I needed to figure out how to do that. So I rolled up to the church. There's a couple guys on campus. Pastor, what are you doing? Can we help you do something? I'm like, no, I got it. I need, just need to get some firewood. And they're like, what's been raining? Nothing's going to burn. It's all wet. It's been raining all day. I said, I know. Just stay away from me right now. Okay, I know. All right. I know that. So I had to drive out to the wood pile back there. And you know what I had to do? I had to take a lot of time taking taken off the top layers of wood, row after row of wood that was wet and soaked from the rain. I had to dig down to the bottom of those big, huge bins that we have with wood in there to find some dry wood. It was not an easy task. It took me a long time. And I had to put it all back in there. And I loaded what I needed in my car, went home, then I had to fill the box in the garage and then go inside and get a fire started. It took forever. It was a pain. But if I want that fire, I got to make an investment in it. You don't fall out of love. You just stop investing in it. So some of our marriages, guys, have gotten this way. We need to restore. We need to give back the passion. Buy some flowers. Send the kids somewhere for a night. Go on a date. Give her some compliments. Light some candles. Put a log on the fire. And just like the ladies' gate is the ear gate, ladies, the men's gate, God created us that way, is the eye gate. So ladies, if you want to put a log on the fire, keep the passion going, get rid of the nightgown your grandma passed down. Come on, man. All right, you can put a spotlight and not see through it. You can have a high beam spotlight and a, a solar flare and you can't see through that thing. I know it's cold, but you're not going on a spacewalk for NASA. You're getting in bed, the blankets will warm you. I, he'll warm you, I, I don't know. I, And men, don't come to bed smelling like you just worked on the car or mowed the lawn, all right? So come on, rinse off something. But we need to recommit to the passion and you'll fall back in love. See, here's the thing, the fire burns wherever the log lays. The fire will burn wherever the log lays. Put a log there so it'll burn. And let me just say this as a word of caution. If you put the log at work, it'll burn at work. If you put the log at Hobbies, it'll burn at Hobbies. you put the log with somebody else, it'll burn there. So keep the log, keep a log on the fire. Make an investment in that relationship. Let's keep going. Verse seven, here it goes. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. What a powerful statement. If you've been with us the last two weeks, we started this series in a passage of scriptures that she said, I am dark. And what she was saying was, I have been working out in the fields. The sun has weathered me. That means if I've been working all day in the fields because of her brother, she'd been working all day in the fields. Her hands were rough. Her feet were rough. She didn't feel attractive. She said, I'm working all day in the fields and it's darkened me. I am unattractive. And also he says that I couldn't even take care of my own vineyard or my own body. I have neglected it. But understand what he is saying and doing here in the chamber, in, his, in the room. He says this, you are all beautiful. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. And he still hasn't touched her, by the way. But he says to her, you are in my chamber here. You're in my bedroom. You are in a safe place. And he says, my belief is about you. You're the standard. You are the standard. All other women are measured by. And she doesn't think that. And here's the thing, a drop-dead gorgeous, almost flawless uh, woman, which there is none. The airbrush everything anyways, But Right? She can stand in front of the mirror, and everybody else can say, wow, you're amazing, you're perfect, and she can find every flaw. But he sets her, in, her bed, in the bedroom, in the chamber, and he says, you are the standard all other women have to measure up to. You are all beautiful. There is no flaw in you. And understand, a few chapters ago, she thought she was ugly and neglected. What does that tell us? That he created a safe environment, a safe place in that chamber. He spoke to his heart, great sex is secure and safe. Amen. And so, you know what the world does? The world has standards, men have standards, women have standards, we all have standards. But he made a choice to make his wife the standard. And here's what the world does. Understand on Valentine's Day, do you know what happens on Valentine's Day uh, from a worldly perspective too? They release the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. You think that's by accident or just happenstance or coincidence? Absolutely not. What's the world doing? The world's trying to feed us a standard that's contrary to what God's trying to say. Your spouse is the standard, men or woman. Your spouse is the standard, which everyone else should have to measure up to, not she up to everybody else or he up to everybody else. I don't care if it's Matthew McConaughey or whatever, Brad Pitt. I don't care if it's Sports Illustrated. In my chamber, this safe place, you are the standard for all other women. You are the standard for all other men. We need to reset the standard We need to reset the standard. See, the devil wants to change your standard from your wife or your husband being all beautiful to if you only looked like that. If you really want godly sex, godly passion, understand that great sex is secure or right safe in there in your nose. You've created a safe place for that person, a place where they are reassured and secure. Men, you should never make a negative comment about her body ever, ever, not even jokingly, not even in out of innocence, or whatever that might be. You should reassure them and appreciate them in every way. And ladies, understand also that rejection can come from you sometimes as well. And women are insecure about their appearance, but men are insecure about their abilities. And so when a man is rejected, it makes him feel like less than a man. And listen, a man will find security somewhere. That's how we're created. A man will find security somewhere. He'll find it maybe in hunting or sports or fishing He'll find it maybe in his job, working all hours, never coming home. He'll find it maybe in hobbies. He'll find it hanging out with his buddies, or he'll find it in another person. And that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. But let's be aware of creating a safe place, a secure place. And now it's true when we're talking about men and women, and you may have heard this that men are referred to as microwaves and women are referred to as crockpots, and just their ability to be sexual. And it's also believed that men generally want sexual intimacy more than women. In fact, in my study, I read a scientific study, getting ready for the service today, that men prefer sexual activity on days that start with the letter T. Interesting. Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow. (laughs) And Tatertay and Tunday. felt that we needed a little laughter right in that moment coming off the other, okay? So create a safe and secure place in your relationship. Let's look at verse 9, 9 through 11. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice, Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Let's stop right there for a second. And just so you know, we are now at verse 11. And the men are like, finally. (laughs) We are now at verse 11. And look look at what is said here. He says, milk and honey are under your tongue. Well, you know what he's describing here right now? The only way he would know that is if he had an open mouth kiss. Or we would know it right here. Right now, he's describing a French kiss. All in, open mouth, fully engaged. Honey's under your tongue. And which is interesting to me because France wasn't even a country for 1,900 more years. <laughs> so really it should be called a Hebrew tongue. But that doesn't really sound romantic, French, French kiss. But understand in verse 11 is where he started the touching. He had all that. Come on. He had, you see the process. He had all that beforehand. And now at 11, he starts that. And he starts with a big open mouth mouth kiss here. And so, uh, let me keep going. Let me finish out that and hit the next verse. Okay, let's just go to the next verse. Okay, let's go back. Okay, the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. You are a garden. Now, listen to the wording here. You are a garden locked up. This is him still talking. You are a garden locked up, my sister and my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Now, what he's saying right here is, notice what he's valuing. He's commenting on the fact that she waited. You are a garden locked up. Untouched, And again, singles and people that have been married before, if, you're, if you've already gone too far, Jesus cleanses. He cleanses you from the past. Jesus makes all things new, gives you a clean slate. And he praises her because she was a spring enclosed and a sealed fountain. And he goes on to say this, your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits and henna and nard nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with every kind of incense tree with myrrh and aloes and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. He just is valuing the fact that she waited. He's speaking that to her. Listen, let's no longer let the world set the standard that we don't have to Give into things before God intended that to happen, to be a man or a woman or find somebody. Let's follow God's standard. Let's be the one we're looking for. And young people, and I have my teenage daughters here too, young people, wait for that one that God has for you. I promise you, it is worth the wait. Avoid the pain and heartache some of us experience way too often. And let's make sure that you're holding out and walking it out the way God intended. So you can wear that shirt. He can wear that shirt. And he's valuing this. And so, young people, save yourself. People ask me, how far can you go while dating? I get that question a lot. And notice he didn't touch her until verse 11, which was the Hebrew kiss. And you can decide on the kiss part. But let me say this. From what I understand this passage of Scripture, the touching didn't start until the open-mouth kiss began and then the physical part started. I I, I think the open-mouth kiss here started something that was never meant to be interrupted, and it's as silent as it was first service, and I thought that it would be. And you don't have to agree with me. I'm trying to say the word, not my word. But I would say this, according to Scripture, with the open mouth kiss, a process started that was never meant by God to be interrupted. And we have people out there seeing how far can we go with, actually, we didn't actually have sex. But did you start something that God never meant to be interrupted? And then you want to try and stop something God never meant to be interrupted once it started? We need to rethink today. And the world will say, well, yeah, save yourself and do all this other stuff and find all this. Don't start something that was never meant to be interrupted. Let's make better choices. And young people, I'm telling you. And parents, you can decide, have the discussion with your own kids. I know what I'll be telling my kids. But right here, the scripture is very clear to me. When the open mouth kiss began, things that were never meant to be interrupted. From that point on, it got physical You want to experience sex at its highest? It's not what the world has to offer, but what God has set to offer, spirit, soul, and body. Number five, great sex is holy. Great sex is holy. And that's so counterculture. And the world, the experts that didn't even create it are telling us it's boring. There's better ways, things to do, and it's not true. There is no comparison. When you walk out the word of God and what God intended, there is nothing more satisfying or fulfilling or life-giving or freeing or healing than what God had intended. And it's not because one or the other is so great or performance or whatever. It's because it was made holy. God made it that way. God had a plan. God had a standard. God's ways are higher than our ways. The scripture says in Isaiah 55, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. So he would know as the creator of it. Let's quit listening to the so-called experts of the world that didn't even create it. What do they know? Let's follow the creator. And let's restart some things. Let's ask for forgiveness. Let's get that clean slate like my my wife talked about. Let's start from here on and walk out in the knowledge and revelation that we have now. Let God not only forgive us, but cleanse us. Now the last two weeks we've closed with a verse that says don't awaken love before it's time. And you understand in the last two weeks when we got to that verse, twice she wanted him and tried to go somewhere and twice he stopped it, he did. But not today. <laughs> and she finally speaks, 15 verses she's silent, 16 verses in the whole chapter, she finally speaks. Let's take a look at chapter four, verse 16. And here's her speaking. Awake north wind, a strong wind being north wind, and come south wind, a gentle wind being south wind, blow on my garden, that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. And it means exactly what you think it means. He was working his way down her body. And now after all that process and everything that he began and following God's plan for sex, they got to the final moment, the final place on her body, and all of a sudden, she says this, let, uh, let's see, what's that? Let my beloved come into, listen to her words, his garden. And it means exactly what you think it means, and I'm not going to describe it any further. (laughs) Let my lover come into his garden following God's plan. She understood. She understood. And she invited him in because it was God's way, God's plan. So how do you close a service like this? (laughs) I've been contemplating that for quite some time. But I found a verse, I found a verse that I believe will help us really close this message. And not, is not here. Help us move on with what God has and start new and start today and let me give you James one twenty two. Here's what it says. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Come on, man. Give me a big amen on that one, all right? This is the word of God. <laughs> I wanted you to learn God's way. I, wanted to, I want to learn God's way. And this is a very serious topic. It is in the world today. And you can see the fruit that's been produced by following the world's way because the church has been silent far too long, but not any longer. Amen. Let's follow the Word of God, God's way, God's results. And there are many who hadn't heard this before, and I understand that, and it's not taught in churches, and, and that's a disservice by churches and pastors. And many of you are victims, and you didn't have a choice in some of these things. Many of you are abused and hurt, and my heart breaks for you. Many who made mistakes. When you walk in some kind of shame or some kind of guilt, that let me say today, in the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of the one who came and laid his life down to forgive you and cleanse you from unrighteousness, be free. Don't live the lie of the devil any longer. We have been held hostage and in bondage over this topic because of the world. And today is our day of freedom. And for all of you that are feeling guilt and shame, it is not from God, because there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation, the lies of the devil would say, Yes, you are that way, you will always be that way, and there's no way out. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which I pray and we have been praying, will rise up in your heart today, will say, Yes, you have done that, yes, you are there, but there's a way out, and his name is Jesus, who heals, forgives, and cleanses and makes all things new. All things new all things not that thing you don't know could you just do me a favor because this has been a hard message again get each could you just say he makes all things new with me ready he makes all things new i hope that you meant that we hope that you enjoyed this message you can find more messages and information about tree of life church at treeoflifechurch.org